Well, I, I want to talk to you in an encouraging way today, Mother. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. We're going to read the first nine verses of this book, and then we're going to have a moment of prayer together. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I I have given you, as I said to Moses, for the wilderness... From the wilderness in the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's bow our heads together for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this Mother's Day. I think back across my life and the impact that my mother had upon me. And Lord, there are ladies in this room, moms that are watching this service. Lord, we want to thank you for every one of them. We're grateful for all that they do. They really are, in a lot of ways, superhuman. Uh, The things that they can think of, the way they can guide, the way they can love, the way they can correct, all the things they do. Father, we're so grateful. And it may be that when our children are young, that they don't realize the blessing that they have in their moms. But I think as they grow up and they mature and they begin having their own families, they begin to realize the blessing and they begin to say the thanks. And I pray, Lord God, today that these ladies will be encouraged when they leave this place today. We are so very grateful for all of these moms that are here and that are watching this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There was a teacher that one day taught her second grade class about the magnet, about the polarity of the magnet, about the power of the magnet. And the kids were fascinated by the lesson. They were all interested in everything she had to say about the magnet. And then the next day, she gave a written test. And in that written test, she asked this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is an M, and I pick things up what am I? And this teacher said she was amazed. This is a true story. This teacher said she was amazed that almost 50% of her class answered mother. (laughs) Well, it does begin with an M and it is six letters and you mamas do pick up a whole lot of things, don't you? But when I think about mothers today, I think about a lot of 
wonderful qualities that you display. Things like love and strength and patience and grace and hope and joy and perseverance and guidance and all of these other things that you moms are showing your children are things for which your children will be forever grateful, even if at this moment they don't fully understand all that you're doing for them. But rather than speak about the qualities of a good mom this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about some encouragement that I want to give to all of your moms that comes directly from this passage of Scripture that we read a few moments ago, Joshua chapter 1. And when I think about encouragement, you know, I went to the dictionary and I looked up what it means. If I'm going to stand before you ladies today and I'm going to give you some encouragement, what am I going to be doing when I encourage you? Well, the dictionary says encouragement means to give hope or to inspire courage. And if you're a mother, you know you need courage, right? It is to give hope or to inspire courage. And then that prompted the question, well, then what is courage? If I want to inspire courage in the ladies today, what, what then exactly is courage? And the dictionary says it's the ability to control your fear in a dangerous or difficult situation. The ability to control your fear in a dangerous or difficult situation. If you know anything about our first responders and the incredible work that they do in our communities across this country, you know that it doesn't mean that when they go running into one of those buildings or in one of those difficult situations or dangerous situations that they have no fear, but they've learned to control their fear for the purpose of being able to accomplish the task of saving people's lives. I was interested this past week about a lady in a middle school, a teacher, middle school teacher in Idaho. You may have seen the news about her. Uh, her name was Krista Knighting, and she literally saved the lives of children. Uh, a sixth grader came into the school with a gun in <clears throat> her backpack, and at some point during that school day, she pulled that gun out. She shot a janitor. She shot two other children. And this is what the news article says. An eighth grade math teacher whose classroom is located about 20 to 30 feet from a door leading out of the school decided that since the shooting had sounded like it was down the hallway to let her kids get out of the room and run out through that door and get out to the high school. She says that... They were then to run to the high school as fast as they could, and she told them not to look back for anything. It goes on. Knighting then spotted in a hallway one of the two students injured in the shooting, and she attempted to pick him up and bring him to safety. When she did, she got blood all over her. She looked up and saw the girl standing across the, across the hallway with the gun. So she sat the boy down and told him to be quiet and to be still. And she started walking toward the girl, talking to her very calmly and telling her things would be okay. We just needed to stop and think things through a little bit and just tried to settle her down. When Nighting got close to the suspect, she put her hand up on the girl's arm and then just let her hand slide down her arm until it got to the gun. When she touched the gun, the girl let go of the gun, and she took the gun and had the other arm around the girl, already kind of hugging her. 
And the article finishes, Nighting then held the suspect until a police officer came walking down the hallway and placed the student in handcuffs. And then these are her words. She says, I, I just kept going and I, I felt like there was an angel on my shoulder that was telling me what to say and what to do. I think you'd agree that's courage, right? It doesn't mean that it's an absence of fear, but in the moment when you're called upon for something that's difficult or something that's dangerous, you're able to control that fear for the purpose of being able to accomplish whatever it is that's before you. Now, I doubt that many of you ladies, I pray that many of you ladies will never have to face a situation like Mrs. Knighting had to face in that Idaho school. But, you know, the tasks that mothers have to do are not exactly glamorous. They're not necessarily fun, and most of them aren't very exciting. I mean, they're tasks for which they seldom will find themselves rewarded, and yet they just get up and they go do it every single day. They face whatever it is that's before them. And most of the mothers that I know will go through most of their lives unnoticed, the things that they do unnoticed and underappreciated. And may I just suggest that if you have to face that kind of thing in life, if you're a mother and you're having to face those kinds of things in life, that takes courage, doesn't it? Every day to get up and know there's another load of laundry, to know the kids are going to have to be fed again and I'm going to have to cook these meals again. All the things that a mother has to do in order to take care of her children is sometimes it's difficult, maybe occasionally it's dangerous, but it takes courage. And today, I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you to courage, to control whatever emotions you may have and to march forward, to do the task that's before you. I want to fill you with hope and with strength and with the courage that you need to be the mamas that God would have you to be. That brings us back to the story that we read here a few minutes ago, the story of this man, Joshua. Let me give you a little bit of his background. He's the son of Nun. No, no, that doesn't mean the son of N-O-N-E. That would be Jesus. Not the son of Nun. He's the son of N-U-N. He was originally called Hoshea. But Moses renamed him as Joshua or gave him the name Joshua. You find that in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. And where we first meet him is on the occasion when the children of Israel are just about to enter into the land of Canaan. And Moses chooses 12 spies. They're going to go into the land. They're going to see who the people are. They're going to see where they live. They're going to see what kind of enemy they have to face. They're, they're going to go in. They're going to scout out the land. And then they're going to bring the report back so that the people of Israel can go in and they can conquer the land. Well, the 12 spies went in. One of them being the man Joshua. Another one that's a man of faith, the man Caleb. These 12 spies scouted out the land. They scoured through the land. They saw the people. It was truly a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a land that was filled with blessings and benefits. But when they came back to give their report, they reported that the people were giants and were like grasshoppers in their sight. They reported that the cities were walled in and they're, they're impregnable. They're, it's impossible for us to breach those walls. These people cannot be defeated. They are too strong. Ten of them came back with that report. Only two of those 12 came back and said, we can do this. God is with us and we can do this. And those two men, 
were Caleb and Joshua. Now think about what happens. The people listen to the reports of the ten rather than the reports of the two. And they choose to disbelieve God. Rather than believe that God could go with them and go before them and God could help them to conquer the land, they choose to disbelieve God and believe the report of the ten. And God is now angry with the people of Israel. As a matter of fact, God was going to kill the people of Israel. He was going to destroy them. And Moses intercedes on their behalf and prays for them. And God spares them and says, here's your punishment. Everybody 20 years of age and up is going to die. And for the next 40 years, you're going to wander in the desert till all of those have died. Those 20 and above, they're going to wander in the desert, just going in circles. You'll be moving, but you'll be going nowhere. Can you imagine living out in the desert for 40 years? He says, until that generation under 20 grows up, and then I'm going to take them into the promised land. Well, that day has finally come. Those that were 20 and above have died. All that's left is the new generation that has grown up. And it opens this chapter of Scripture by telling us about the death of Moses, and it's telling us about the man who was the understudy of this man, Moses. His name was Joshua. And he was the one that God tapped and says, you're going to lead the children of Israel, and you're going to take them into the promised land. Now think about how daunting this task must have seemed. For 40 years, he lived with a group of people who disbelieved God. For 40 years, he lived with the people that wondered as he watched them day after day, one after the other, die until everybody 20 and over had died away and the new generation had risen up. And you have, you have to wonder what was going through his mind as he's being tapped by God that you're going to be the one who's going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And God comes to him in verse 5. And God makes this incredible statement that infuses courage into his heart. God makes this incredible statement that, that infuses hope and strength into his heart. And it's that phrase that I want you to think of and I want you to ponder for a few moments. In the middle of the verse, he says to Joshua, I will be with you. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? I will be with you, mamas, today. I want you to hear these words. The Lord, as he spoke to Joshua, speaks to you, and he says, I will be with you. The task before you may be difficult. There may be times when the task is dangerous. It may be a task that's not always fun or always exciting to be a part of, but the Lord says in the task of being the mother he wants you to be, he promises you, I will be with you. Now, don't gloss over that. What he says here to Joshua, don't gloss over that. Stop and think about that for a moment and think about how that infuses hope how that infuses courage into this man, Joshua, and how it infuses courage and hope into every one of us who hears him say, I am with you. You say, well, that's one man. God said that to Joshua. Surely that's the only time he said it. No, no, that's not the only time he said it. Go with me on a journey for just a few moments. I take you back, don't turn in the Bible, but I take you back to the book of Genesis, chapter 26. 
And I introduce you to a man named Isaac. He was the promised son to Abraham. He was the one through whom the Jewish people were going to come into existence. And Isaac was facing a situation in the promised land of drought and famine. And he he was thinking something that even his father had done previously to him. He was thinking about going down into Egypt. After all, he's got to take care of his family. He's got to feed his family. He's got to make sure that that, uh, his servants have the necessities of life. He's got to see to it that his flocks and his herds are fed. And he's living in a famine situation. And so he, he thinks to himself, the easiest way to solve this is to go down to Egypt. And God comes to him in Genesis 26, verse 3, and listen to what he says. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. And Isaac took courage, and Isaac took hope out of the reality that God said to him, I will be with you. Or skip forward a little bit further with me to the book of Genesis chapter 28, and think about the man Jacob. The Jacob uh, that we're talking about is the one from whom the 12 sons of Israel would come. And you may remember the story. He took the birthright and the blessing that rightfully belonged to his brother Esau. But that was all a part of the plan of God. But now he's afraid because his older brother is angry with him, that his older brother might try to do something to him. And so he's going to leave and go east to his uncle Laban's house and he's going to live there for another 14 or more years. That's where he's going to find his wife. That's where it's all going to begin for him. But as he's making his way away, he's headed over to his uncle Laban's. He stops and he pulls up a rock for a pillow. He sleeps that night. He lays his head on that rock as his pillow to go to sleep that night. And while he's sleeping, he has a dream, and he sees a ladder that extends into heaven. And on that ladder, he sees angels coming down, descending, and angels ascending. And God makes promises to Jacob. Listen to what God says to Jacob in that situation. Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I am with you. And he infuses hope and he infuses strength and he infuses courage into the life of Jacob just by saying, I am with you. Or go forward a little further with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3. You know the man Moses. Uh, Moses at one time was a very proud man who thought he could handle the leadership capacities that could be given to him, but God had since humbled him and shown him his weakness. And God comes to him now, a very humble man, an 80-year-old man, and he says, Moses, I want you to lead the children of Israel out of the bondage to the Egyptians, and I want you to take them uh, through the Red Sea and across the wilderness, and I want want you to take them to the promised land. And what does Moses say? Moses says, I can't do that. Who am I? I? I can't do that. That's too big a task for me. That's too great a task for me. There's no way I can handle that. And God comes to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12 and listen to what he says. So he said, that is to Moses, so he said, I will certainly be with you. And he infuses strength and he infuses hope and he infuses courage into the man Moses to be able to accomplish the task that God had before him. Or skip a little further forward with me to the man Gideon. Everybody likes the story of Gideon, don't they? 
You know, the fleece that was wet the one time and then dry the next time. You remember the, the story of Gideon? The, the man who amassed 32,000 warriors, and God said, that's too many, and he pairs them down by 10,000. There's 22,000, and God says, that's still too many, and he pairs them down further to 300. You remember the Midianites kept coming down, and they kept invading the land. They kept taking the crops. They kept destroying the land. And Gideon said, where is God and where are all the miracles? And God comes to Gideon and says, I want you to be the deliverer. I want you to be the one who delivers the people. And Gideon felt so incapable. Gideon felt so unable. And listen to what it says, Judges chapter 6, verse 16. And the Lord said to him, that's to Gideon, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. With 300, he defeated all of the Midianites. Why? Because God was with him. Or skip forward with me to Solomon. Skip right on past David, King David, and go right to Solomon with me. The son of David who would become king of Israel and who would be tasked with the responsibility of building uh, the temple of God, the most glorious and elaborate temple. You, you and I can't even begin to imagine how glorious and elaborate it was. And yet Solomon was told by David something that every one of us needs to hear. He says, and David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, now listen, will be with you. And he goes on to say, like he was with me, God's going to be with you. And he infuses strength, and he infuses hope, and he infuses courage into his own son. Or think with me about Israel herself. Israel herself. You realize that Israel continued to be a disobedient nation to God. They continued to violate the law of God. And ultimately, God sent the Babylonians to take the southern kingdom into captivity. And the people were carried away. Seventy years they had to live in captivity. That was the length of God's punishment for their disobedience to him. And finally the day came for God to let them go back to the land to rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple. But the people were afraid. The people were uncertain. They were, they were concerned about this task. They'd actually sometimes gotten comfortable living in Babylon. And God comes to them in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, and listen to what he says to the people. Fear not, for I am with you. In other words, you can go back. You can go back and rebuild. You can go back and live safely. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a great promise, isn't it? Incredible promise. And yet Israel needed to have that courage. They needed to have that hope. They needed to have that strength infused into them. And how did God do it? He did it the same way he did with Joshua. He came to, to Joshua and to all of these others, and he said, look, I want you to understand I am with you. Mamas today, I want you to hear these words. God is with you. 
God is with you. The task is sometimes difficult. The, the task is sometimes dirty. The task is sometimes uh, you know, not, not very exciting or very interesting. The task sometimes can be dangerous, but God wants to speak he wants to speak courage into your hearts, and he wants you to know that you can have his strength, and he wants you to have hope in the midst of the task of raising your children. And God comes to every one of you today, and he says, I am with you. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, what we normally call the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Are you ready? Are you with me? All, all you mamas with me? And lo, that's why I don't fly high in the air in a plane. And lo, I am with you. Do you know the next word? Always. I am with you always. Mamas, God says, I am with you in the task that is before you. It may seem daunting some mornings. You get up and you think to yourself, maybe this morning, getting the kids ready to get here early to be able to sing in this first service, and you thought to yourself, I'll never do this again. It may seem daunting to you, but God comes to you and God says, I am with you. I want you to keep your place in Joshua, but there is one place I want you to turn with me, and that's back to the book of Hebrews, all the way to the back of your Bible, the book of Hebrews, and I want you to listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 5 of chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13. This is another way of saying, I am with you. And God says this on a number of occasions throughout the Bible. He, he just says it in a little different way, but I want you to see it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, listen to what he says. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, here we go, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you say that's just another way of saying I am with you? Now, I've got to tell you something that's really important for you to comprehend. At this moment, I want you to understand that the only ones who can, pro who can claim that promise, for that matter, men or women, the only ones who can claim that promise are those who are the children of God. Those who know God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. No one else can claim that promise. The children of Israel, they were the children of God. They could claim that promise. And you and I, who trust the Lord Jesus Christ, we can claim that promise. But that promise isn't for anyone else. Lo, I am with you. I'll never forsake you. Three or four years ago, I asked people in our church to write out their testimonies. Put it on paper. Get used to talking about your story, telling your story of how Jesus changed uh, your life. And then I asked people if they would to send me copies of their stories. I'd like to read them. I love to read the stories of people who come to Jesus Christ. It's, it's an encouraging thing to do. Well, uh, one of the mothers wrote me, and she sent it to me, and it's uh, five pages long. <laughs> 
she, she told me her story is five pages long, but I have taken this, these top four paragraphs. These top four paragraphs are a summary that I've taken her words, taken out the core of what she had to say. And I want you to understand that if you want to know that the Lord is with you, if you want to know that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you, then you've got to come to Jesus Christ and you've got to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His death on the cross of Calvary was payment for our sin penalty. He was buried and he rose on the third day and that's what distinguishes Christianity from all the other religions of the world more than anything else, that we have a living Savior and all who come to him can be born again. All that come to him can become children of God But listen to this mother's words. She was 10 years old, by the way, when she first went to church. But now she writes, As a teenager, I no longer went to church and seemed to go down the wrong path. When I prayed to God, I was always asking for something for myself. I never tried to serve God. I started smoking cigarettes at age 16. I also started drinking alcohol during my teenage years. I bar hopped with all of my friends. At the beginning of 2006, my grandmother had gone to Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. I decided I was going to go with her. I listened to Pastor Lemming. I felt sort of strange because it had been so long since I'd been to church. My grandmother walked the aisle that day and was saved. I love that. My grandmother walked the aisle that day and was saved. She was baptized in the coming weeks. The next Sunday, at the end of the service... I personally, without anyone else knowing, accepted Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I admitted I was a sinner, and the only person who could rescue me was Jesus Christ. That is when my life began to change. It wasn't an immediate change, but day by day, my life was changing and getting better. She continues, I no longer felt empty inside. I no longer felt guilty for all the things that I'd done in the past. I no longer felt bitter words, uh, bitter towards people, excuse me, who had wronged me in the past. I instead prayed for them. I prayed they too would be given a new life and delivered from despair and feel the same way I was feeling. I was proud of the person I was instead of feeling ashamed. I quit smoking. I didn't feel the need to drink alcohol when I socialized. I didn't need an antidepressant anymore. I quit binge eating when I was upset. I prayed for God to change me instead of praying for God to change everyone else in my life. And then she finishes late in this testimony. She says, so what does this mean for you, whoever you may be? Because I don't know who God is focusing on by me writing this. It could be several people. I just don't know. This means that you too can be forgiven for all your wrongs. You can start living a free life, a life that God created you to live. I used cigarettes, alcohol, antidepressants, food, etc. to fill the void in my life. The only one who can fill that void for anyone is Jesus Christ. If you have been looking for years but can't seem to find what or who will fill that void. You are looking in all the wrong places because he is the one and only. Amen. Amen. You know what that mother can say? What she can say today? She's still a member of our church. You know what that mother can say today? She can get up every day and she can say, I know that the Lord is with me. 
He will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He goes with me through all of the difficulties. He goes through with me all of the joys of my life. He is with me. I will be with you. Isn't that a great encouragement? This is a promise for the people of God. Now, I want you to go back to Joshua chapter 1, and I want to bring this to a close. I want you to notice what he says here. Obviously, Joshua needed this encouragement. He he needed to know that God was with him. He was facing what seemed to be a daunting task, what was certainly a difficult task and could have been and was a dangerous task. But notice in verse 5, he says, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But then notice three times, verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and of good courage. He finishes out verse 9, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ladies, I've come to encourage you today. Sometimes your task is daunting. Sometimes your task is difficult. Maybe sometimes your task is dangerous. It's not always glamorous, but I've come to say to you that God sees you and God is with you. If you're his child, God is with you. I will be with you no matter how difficult the task may be. God is with you. And God is going to help you every step of the way. And aren't we thankful for that? Aren't we thankful that God helps us every step of the way? Now, you've got to notice something, ladies. If you go back with me for just a moment into the book of Joshua, you notice verse 5? He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be strong, he says, and of good courage. And then he tells him, I want you to arise and go. Back in verse 2, you see it? Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. It's interesting what he says here. He doesn't say, I've got this, so you can just sit back and you can relax and I'll do it all for you. I don't know if you've noticed that babies don't get changed that way. (laughs) He didn't say, I've got this, so you can just sit back and you you can just relax and you can take it easy. I'll take care of it. Mm -mm. He said, I've got this, so arise and go. And that's God's word to all of us today, especially to you moms today, is to realize that God's got this. And he wants you to rise up, and he wants you to get with it. He wants you to take the task on this before you, as difficult or as daunting or sometimes as dangerous as it may be. He wants you to press forward knowing, I am with you. God's got this. He's got your child. You can trust him with your most precious possessions, but you've got to get involved. You've got to be a part of your children's lives You're going to have to change those diapers. You're going to have to work out some of those disagreements between the kids. You're going to have to teach them about forgiving one another. You're going to have to help mend the fights that they're having with each other. You're going to have to cheer on your kids, whatever competition they're involved in. You're going to have to teach them what the Scripture has to say. You're going to have to show them by your life what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But look, Jesus says, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. I'm with you. Listen, mamas, take courage today. 
and take care of your kids, whether they're nine months old and they're basically helpless and you're having to take care of them or they're 60 years old. And what they need is your love and your prayer and your support. Do all that you do knowing that God is with you. Isn't that a, isn't that a great word? If I know that God is with me, there isn't anything I face that I cannot do.